Blog Talk Radio. I stroll through the pictures What I've left behind You once again I'm locked up in memories They all intertwine The memories living In my mind I know tomorrow Cause that dawn will come You will never know Just what you've done everyone and welcome to Stop Child Abuse Now. Scan radio show number 3302. And I'm going to begin by reading the mission statement for the National Association of Adult Survivors of Child Abuse. That's who's bringing us this radio show, NASCA. We have a single purpose at NASCA, to address issues related to childhood abuse and trauma, including sexual assault, violent or physical abuse, emotional traumas, and neglect. And we do so with only two goals. One, educating the public, especially as related to helping society get over its taboo of discussing childhood sexual abuse, CSA, presenting facts showing child abuse to be a pandemic worldwide problem that affects everyone. And two, offering hope and healing through numerous paths, providing many services to adult survivors of child abuse and information for anyone interested in the many issues involving prevention, intervention, and recovery. And on Tuesdays and Thursdays, I think today's Tuesday, on Tuesdays and Thursdays we have call-in discussion with a survivor professional using an open mic forum. We feature a survivor professional co-host who will field topic brought to the episode by you, the listener. Tonight, the special co-host is Bill Murray from Los Angeles, our founder. Bill's recovery is 12-step based and spans some four decades. Sexually abused by numerous clerics, all men, between the ages of 11 and midway through high school, a minor seminary. He was also the victim of prepubescent pornography and even a two-week kidnapping. Bill was graced to have found Alcoholics Anonymous when he was 30 years old. The program not only helped him get clean and sober, 
but also gave him a place to give up his secrets and the tools by which he's recovered. He firmly believes one can use the 12-step process to heal from child abuse trauma and to find a way to a comfortable life. Okay, and tonight on the radio show, uh, we have Victoria Kelly here helping us with the uh, switchboard in the back. And we have our special survivor professional here, Bill Murray. And we have Vinny on our panel as well as Philip. And so it's going to be a great show. Yay! I'll begin by introducing Bill. Well, I already introduced you, Bill. By letting you go ahead and begin to speak. You know, I was impressed by the introduction you gave me. It's the written introduction that you see every month. But uh, how you read it with the emphasis on certain things, just the, t- the tenor and speed with which you read it and everything, I was impressed. Maybe we'll have you someday do all the introductions to all the guests. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> but I really was. You did a good job, so thank you for that. Thank yeah, um, I'm feeling okay. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm still, um, boy, I'm still recovering, believe it or not, of the, of the, uh, re- the repercussions as a result of the surgeries I had and so forth. But there's uh, other stuff that's been going on too. And um, at some point, my wife's going to walk up and open the door and there'll be a little doggy bark when it happens. <laughs> but he's here. <laughs> he's here with me right now. Yeah. He's trying to be cute, which doesn't, he doesn't have to try very hard. <laughs> so, uh, go ahead. Did you have something you were going to say? I'm sorry, Annie. No, no, I was just responding about the cute dog. Oh, yeah. No, please continue. We all have cute dogs. We all have cute yeah. dogs. You but do. I think uh, Victoria wins because she has 25 cute dogs there or something like that. <laughs> Well, she has a <laughs> she has a mama dog, a papa dog, and a bunch of baby dogs. <laughs> I have right. a male female with six puppies. Six puppies. Six puppies. So yeah. She's ten pounds and has six puppies and trying to feed them all. Right. So we're gonna try to wean wean them off her right now. Soon. <laughs> yeah. Tonight. <laughs> oh I'm so, glad that you're uh, on Bill. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I hardly ever get to talk to you. <laughs> you called me out this afternoon. I'm <laughs> Wow. <laughs> She's kidding. Anybody can call me anytime. She knows that. Yep. And maybe yep. you don't know that, but that's how that's how NASCA is set up. There's at least uh, maybe 30 of us or something like that who um, have their names on the website in the contact list along with their phone number and their email address, and we invite you to contact us whenever you'd like. So we we serve as uh, uh, a replacement for the 800, you know, the, the, the hotline, if you will, that we don't have. <laughs> but we have 30 people who will answer whenever you call. <laughs> and uh, they're all uh, folks that have their own, you know, story of recovery, but there are so many similarities Victoria and Annie, as you know, in the um, experiences we have both in the uh, 
in the victimhood experiences in the childhood abuse area, which can be sexual, violent, emotional, or through trauma or through uh, neglect. Um, and then later, the the trauma that comes from it. So many, you know, um, experiences that we all have that are not just similar; they're the same. <laughs> they really are. They're very close. And this is. Um, you know, this is why we put our phone numbers there, because we want you to call us. And, you know, by the way, a newcomer can call us, too, and they should, because we're extremely interested in helping the newcomer. Uh, and we'll get them started with, you know, helping themselves by explaining the different things they could do, can do, what we've done, and inviting them to, to try something. Just try anything, really, and get started. Get your feet wet. Um, and, of course, one of them is the radio show here tonight, which we do five nights a week. And anybody can call in and uh, be on the, on the panel. And anybody who wants to uh, can ask for a show, uh, and they, we'll schedule them uh, a night that they can tell their story. And uh, there will be a couple of people here that can support them, but also ask them questions and so forth. So there's so many things, you know, to, available all for free, <laughs> and virtually every day, not virtually, every day of the week, 365, you know. Um, so that's what we've got here, Annie. I just thought I'd... Yeah, and um, speaking yeah. of the um, call-in number, um, let me let people know that you can call in anytime during the show, and the guest call-in number is 646-595-2118, and we have the shows um, five nights a week, Monday through Friday night. And you're welcome to call in any night. What Bill is saying, the panel is some of them, like, I'll meet you on the back line and find out who you are. And if you'd just like to listen, you can tell me just listening. We have people that do that. Or if you'd like to ask questions during the show, um, we'll put your name down and we'll be calling on you uh, in between certain breaks that we have. So that number, again, is 646-595-2118. And I don't know what the other times are, but on my central time is, 7 to uh, 8.30 on uh, Monday well, to Friday night. Central. The shows are 8 o'clock Eastern and 5 o'clock Pacific. It's, it's live across the country, so 7 Central and uh, 6 Mountain. But, uh, you know, the other thing I want to say, uh, Victoria, is that these shows are um, recorded. And uh, if, you, if you appear on a show or if you do a show um, and you put your story down, uh, we, can, we can show you how to... Um, link to your story in the future and you can put it on whatever you want, your own website, you know, in an email, however you want. Um, and it, it, and all of our shows, which is, as Annie said, you know, 3,300 of them plus another 600 or so under another name, Community Matters, it was the first show we did. They're all available right now. And it's amazing. They never go away. So we're pretty proud of that. You can tell. <laughs> We're kind yeah, of immortal. So, yes. Yes. And that's the thing, too, is that, you know, if you listen to this show, um, enjoy it. There's uh, a whole bunch of stories. And uh, what I always say, if you listen to enough stories, uh, you'll find bits and pieces. Eventually, you hear your own story being told. When you hear enough people talking to identify, like I tell people, let's look at commonalities rather than differences. We've got so much in common, like you said, Bill. And uh, yeah. that affects yeah. us so simple. 
Well, that's true. Um, that's why, you know, any of the recovery processes for, for not only for child abuse, but frankly for, um, as as Annie said, my my recovery was is 12-step based. In other words, I went to Alcoholics Anonymous and found out <laughs> that I was an alcoholic, but I also found out that I could use that 12-step process to heal from anything. So I applied it to my child abuse right from the beginning, and it worked. Um, but we have, um, you know, we, we have the shows uh, described as well. You can pick out the show you want to listen to, and uh, according to the description of it, many times, especially those that have uh, some kind of special guest, um, their their bio is listed there, and that's what you'll hear about when you uh, when you open up that show. But they're all 90 minutes, so they're pretty good. They're easy to fall asleep to. Tell you that. <laughs> good time stories, right? <laughs> yeah, if you can't sleep, bring some uh, stories to your life. We'll, we'll put yeah. you to sleep. <laughs> yeah. So, um, so I Bill, you were many... you were saying yeah. you were going to tell mm-hmm. us a story about your traveling and your testimony. Right. Exactly. I did tell Annie before the show, and she always asked. And we we do try to bring some topic, uh, or have the or have the co-host bring some topic, or have one prepared. Um, and I do have one prepared. I don't, I don't know. We can go anywhere you want with it. But uh, this last weekend, in other words, not two days ago, but a week and two days ago, I um, had the opportunity <laughs> to fly to New York on a Sunday, meet two attorneys that represent me for the first time. These are people that I've talked to on the phone, but I'd never met. And go to the hotel and, and, and sort of have, sit down with them and describe a strategy for the next day. Stay overnight in the hotel. The next day, go to the offices that were close by of other attorneys who represent the Catholic Church. Because uh, my experience with trauma uh, it, it had it had an awful lot of it had to do with priests and brothers that uh, sexually molested me for years about five years and um, the first part of it was what we addressed this weekend there's, there's going to be two cases eventually but the one that we addressed um, was uh, from Maryland and it involved New York and New Jersey and Vermont and Canada, because all those places we touched, uh, and I was uh, when I was about 13. I think, I think 11, 12, and 13 were the three years this brother uh, molested me during the summer. And uh, so I had to. This is what was called giving a deposition. To depose me meant I had written, uh, or they they had written down. My lawyers had written down, you know the facts of my life, but now that having given them over to the defense, which consisted of people that represented the church, it's their opportunity to get my uh, testimony on the record under oath. You know, you raise your right hand and you give your, (laughs) I promise to do the whole truth, nothing but the truth stuff. Uh, And then uh, for the next several hours, they got to ask me whatever they wanted. 
And uh, it was quite an experience. I mean, I put a lot of stuff down on the record. And the point is that, you know, if you if you go on the record and then later during a trial, if there potentially could be a trial, um, that's not set yet, but it could be. Uh, and you, you know, if, if, if you're asked a question that you answer in, you know, differently than you did in the deposition, you start to get in a, you know, a swamp. <laughs> you, know, you step on the wrong thing and you can, you can get in trouble because it's under oath, so there's penalties for it uh, if they consider that you're telling a story if you're lying and so forth. So, But for me, I've told this story over and over and over so many times that I can't, I can't lie about it. It's just the way it is. Uh, and I'm not really in the process of thinking about it too much anymore about what it meant, what happened, so forth. So I just, you know, answered whatever questions they asked. There were um, one, two, three, four, uh, four pe three, three people on their side, plus the stenographer who's like a court stenographer uh, and takes down all the testimony of both the questions and the answers, and they eventually become uh, sort of the official record of the meeting. And, and I guess they um, print out copies of it that they give one copy to the defense and one copy to the uh, the, the person that's bringing the suit, which would be me. And um, you know, and then we know what's on the records. And when we, if we go to court, then this would help guide us. Not only to court, but the next couple of steps to see, you know, it's possible they don't want to go to court. You know, um, so that's what it was. Now it, it took all day to do this, and uh, at the end of the day, uh, we, you know, jumped into a like a, a car service, which is basically an Uber, <laughs> and this was happening in Wall Street in downtown Manhattan, and we booked over to uh, Newark. And got on the plane and flew home. And that's what I did. <laughs> and that's quite quite a whirlwind trip when you think about it. And I don't recommend this, but it's one way, one I mean, one night uh, round trip to New York City from Los Angeles, which is across the country. And it was it left me really, really, really good bushed. Is that the quickest trip you've ever taken? <laughs> Oh, I've never gone to New York for one night before, never. Yeah. No, yeah. I've gone for a weekend, I think, but never one night. Uh, yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. It really does something to your head, mm -hmm. and it does something to your body both. You know, right. Um, it, you get beat. I think on the way to the East Coast, you don't have jet lag. But on the way mm -hmm. back, you do, because on the way to New York, you're, mm -hmm. you're going through time, you're advancing in time. That doesn't give you a, um, a, a, a the same the same result as when you're flying mm -hmm. west. Because when you're uh -huh. flying west, you're flying into time, right? Not with time, uh -huh. but into time. <laughs> yeah. And that's when you get the. That's when you get the. the, the, uh -huh. the yeah, that's why that happens. So, uh, it, it really did happen to me for several days. I was pushed. <laughs> oh wow. Um, wow. But, you know. This was a necessary step that I had been talking about for a long, long time that I wanted mm -hmm. to get to. And it, it, it came up uh, that, you know, the stars aligned for this last weekend. 
to make myself right. available to the to the defense, and they could answer mm-hmm. anything, ask me anything they wanted. So mm-hmm. that's what this is about. Now, I just now did you uh, did you report did you report this? I mean, maybe some people are wondering how what the process is if they do wanna. Um, like you said, this well, is what the Catholic Church, but there's other there's oh, other ways yeah. that you can prosecute people for abuse. Yeah. I I want to I want I wanted to explain that this is a long sure. time coming, but it's instigated by uh, telling telling the authorities uh, what happened. Uh, now that meant to me uh, the district attorneys in two different states, because you bring a suit uh, like this uh, to um, to the district attorney that's that represents the state where the uh, violation occurred. Well, it happened to me in two distinct places by two different distinct groups, and this was one of them, the earlier one. And it was in um, my, it was in um, Maryland. And uh, when I brought the case in Maryland, they, I'd already brought it up to the church, to the two bodies of the church, and found it to be credible. They found it to be credible. So I, I passed that hurdle already. And then I took it to the district attorney. Uh, and, and I, you know, uh, I got help in both cases to some degree now. In the, in the Maryland one, which is the one we're talking about, they got, um, they understood what I, was, what I was saying. And in Maryland at the time, uh, there was no ability to bring a civil suit. There was, a t- there was a, an ability to bring a criminal suit no matter when you want it. Then... They gave a window of opportunity, changed their laws, and that they gave themselves, uh, they gave us, the abused, a window of opportunity, they call it, to come forward no matter when we were abused. Uh, and it was, I think it was a year or two years that, that were available. So, of course, I, that's when I called the district attorney. I knew that was happening. Uh, and, uh, and, I, and I told them about my case. They in turn got the FBI involved because I didn't even know the name of the guy. You know, uh, I knew his religious name, but I never knew his name. And they found him. Uh, they looked him up. They found him. They went to his house uh, and had a, a conversation with him. They call it a door knock. You know, they knock, knock, knock on the door. And when you come to the door, <laughs> they tell you who they are. They probably showed him his, their badges. And said, we're here to ask you a couple of questions about the time you served uh, at such and such in the such and such place. That was you, right? And he goes, yeah. So he admitted it was the one. <laughs> but then when he realized why they were there, he didn't want to talk anymore. So but at least we'd located him, you know. Um, now, that resulted in um, in the possible indictment from him, for him, uh, meaning that the case uh, knew who he was, believed the, what I was saying, and the, the, the district attorney eventually called me back and said they had made a decision that they were not going to uh, bring him, extradite him from uh, San Diego, which is where the uh, FBI found him. All the way across the country, he was in his 80s, and they were worried that he'd have a heart attack because it had happened to them once before with somebody. And... Uh, uh, so they were they were afraid they'd be countersued by somebody who had a bad experience on the plane, so they wouldn't bring the suit for criminal. Uh, however, the suit for civil was lived on. You don't need him to do this criminal suit. The criminal suit is really against 
the groups of people that he worked for who should have known what kind of a person he was, basically, and should have protected the kids that were under his care. And that's the basis on which we proceeded with a a suit that was uh, not not criminal but uh, civil, civil suit. Um, And it's basically, you know, it's basically results in possibly uh, an award of some money down the line. Uh, Whereas the criminal... If he, in the criminal pursuit, if if he was found guilty, he, it would result in him having a prison term. You know, so those are, those are the two different kinds of suits you can bring, and the two different kinds of results you can have. They're very different in other ways too. The um, criminal suit, as everybody probably knows, you have to convince the jury or the judge, or whoever is, is 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 you know the, the person you're trying to convince, <laughs> you have to convince them that what you say is the truth beyond a reasonable doubt. Proof beyond a reasonable doubt, not truth. Proof beyond a reasonable doubt. Now, that's a pretty high standard, um, but that's not so with uh, uh, civil suits. Civil suits are the preponderance of the evidence. That's the degree to which you have to bring something uh, before the judge, the preponderance of the evidence, which means... Both sides can tell their story or defend themselves or whatever, and whoever sounds like they have the better uh, argument will win. Now, as long as you don't make stuff up, like I said, and you're careful about what you say, uh, they, I mean, I told the truth, so there's nothing else, nothing, there's nothing to uh, counter, counter it with, you know. <laughs> uh, and this is stuff that happened, you know, uh, wow, how many years ago? 60-something years ago, right? No, 50-something years ago. So even some of it's difficult to remember, at least clearly. And I admitted it when I had a a sense of something happening, but I couldn't put my finger exactly on it. That's what I said. Um, But there were other things that I was positive about, and I I told when that was the case, too. So the result is that we have – we're all caught up on our sleep, I think. <laughs> and the, um, the, the both the defense and my uh, and the process and the uh, and my side uh, opportunity now to anything I mentioned in the uh, in the suit or in the deposition, they can bring out and they can like find um, witnesses, for example, and they can argue uh, uh, with using the witnesses. Uh, against something I said, or they can argue their point, you know, whatever it is. So that is where we are when people are figuring out uh, who it is they want to bring and what kind of argument they're going to make. Now, they could stop it at any time by making a an offer that I was that I agreed to. Uh, now, it, it would have to be a pretty significant offer, I, I'd say, uh, considering what I've gone through. But you know they could they could decide it's time to stop, uh, you know, and rather than take the risk that the judge would give them some, you know, terrible penalty, they'll offer me a certain amount, believing that if I take it, the case will be solved. Result resolved. If I don't, it goes on, and it can be renegotiated again all the way to the time when I'm going to go to trial, if that's what I end up deciding, uh, and that can be you know still a ways off. So the reason I wanted to bring this up tonight, Annie and, uh, and Victoria, is that 
I don't want people to think this is an easy snap thing you do. There's a, a you know, there's a, a lot of people out there who feel like they ought to be paid or they ought to be able to put the person in jail or they ought to be blah, blah, blah. If you want to do that stuff, that's great, but you'll have to bring, you know, you'll have to bring evidence forward and your testimony forward in order for that to happen. And it will take years, years to get right. even to the point that I'm at now. And it may take a couple more before we get, get to a potential trial, <laughs> you know, and, uh, but it's, it's quite an experience. And I wanted to let people know, do you guys have any questions about what I, what happened to me? Well, I've, I have a comment. I've had a lot of people that said that I should, uh, brought, you know, cause my biological father was convicted of what he did why I didn't bring a civil case against him because, you know, he did have a lot of money and everything. But emotionally, there was no way I could have done it. I mean, I had so much trauma and was going to therapy to just not commit suicide. <laughs> and, and so much trauma and, and lots of memory and everything else. Like you said, you don't realize how much is invested in it. Um, you have to re- pretty much relive that. Um, when you're when you're going through something like that, and if you're not at a good place, um, it could be very, very, very destructive. Even it, it can be, um, and that's why I wanted. To, I, I mean, I'm telling you absolutely what happened to me, but I know mm-hmm. there's been different experiences by people yeah. I've worked with over the years or heard over the years, yeah. like yourself. Um, mm-hmm. Because it does take a lot out of you. You have to be ready yeah. to answer any question that the lawyer on the other side is going to ask. Mm-hmm. Believe me, they asked yeah. an awful lot of them, you know. Right. <laughs> um, right. And he died like five years ago. And, you know, ten years ago or more than that, if I would have started it, you know, when I got away from him, I couldn't put three words together. There was no way I could even think about seeing him in a courtroom. <laughs> the whole time well, he was alive. I couldn't, you know. But I, I right. have a question about... Um, um, how did you feel when they said uh, we're not doing anything criminally against him? I know a lot of people. I was disappointed. Would... You're right. I was disappointed because, like I said, mm-hmm. I didn't even know his, uh, you know, his regular, his birth name, his regular name. I knew him mm-hmm. by a religious name, and so I was really glad to hear that the FBI had found him, that they'd done this interview and so forth. And it took a little mm-hmm. while before the DA decided, or came back to me saying she decided that. Um, they weren't going to extradite him to uh, back mm-hmm. to the East Coast. But if he ever got on a plane and ended up there on the East Coast, he would have been arrested. <laughs> you know, but mm-hmm. They weren't mm-hmm. going to take the um, risk of yeah. him being sickened, mm-hmm. really, or dying right. Uh, right. on the plane trip. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that's what yeah. happened. I was disappointed. I'll be honest. I was disappointed. Of course, yeah. I've been disappointed the whole time. In sense. Well, yeah. I, right. There's there's little disappointment with a little D and there's big disappointment with a big D, <laughs> mm. uh, but there's been a lot of small D disappointments because it, you know a lot of us who have been abused think it ought to be such a this way and it's, it's just not. But anyway, it makes sense that it would be, but it's just not. So you know you yeah. have to be um, kind of willing to uh, willing to have a lot of. Um, Small D disappointments and sometimes a big D disappointment, which is you know significant thing. That was a bit. That was. A... Bill seems to have dropped. Yeah. I'm sure he'll he'll call back in. 
Let's call on our our panelists and see if anybody wants to make a comment while we wait for Bill. Uh, Let's start with Vinny. I'll open the mic here. Okay. Trying to. Okay. No, I'm good. I'm good. I'm just listening away. Do you have any comments on what we've been talking about? No, no. Okay, great. Well, welcome to... Huh? Not at all. Okay, well, welcome. I'm glad you're here. Everybody's glad you're here. And it looks like Bill came back on, but let me say hi to Philip before we say hi to Bill again. Hi, Philip. How are you Hello, how are you? Good, how are you? Doing very well. I'm doing very well. Do you have any comments on what Bill has been talking about? Um, no, not tonight. Okay, great. All right. Well, we Thank have you. another person, but that person's just listening, so we won't call on them. And Bill, are you back and available? I am. Yes. Um, okay, great. I I'm sorry, Mike. The call got dropped. I, so all of a sudden, I didn't do anything. But anyway, it got dropped, and I was in the middle of explaining um, that the the length of time it took to get to this point was uh, very stressful. And then, to, uh, at the, at, and you had asked me about the district attorney's decision whether that was a disappointment, and it was. That was a disappointment with a big D, you know, a capital D, because I was hoping to bring the guy. To, I wanted to confront the guy, um, and. And them not bringing him to the East Coast defeated that. Now, in the interim, and that would be uh, maybe eight years ago or ten years ago, something like that. In the interim, he passed away. Uh, and uh, so there's no opportunity, obviously, anyway, to bring him to civil, to criminal justice. But civil justice goes on because it's not just him. It's, it's him and the institutions that he represented. Uh, that uh, are are responsible or, or could be seen as responsible with the preponderance of the evidence. So that's just, that's where the civil suit is, you know. Doesn't it just Uh-oh. kill you that that someone can get away with it and not be accused of a crime for it? That's just crazy. I... It's just. <sighs> I have heard so many stories that, that are exactly that. There are people who we know who it is. They're still alive. You can, bring, you can uh, try to bring a case against them, get some justice, and it never happens. It happens. We hear this over and over. It's not just me. We, we all hear these stories over and over and over. And now it's just part of my story. But that's what I, that's mm-hmm. what I try to remember it is. It's just my story. It's not, not personal. It's what mm-hmm. what happens to me. There will be more. Not finished. It could be finished at this point. Uh, for example, mm-hmm. I could give up the suit, but I don't want to. <laughs> um, right. And uh, you know, there's still another suit that's coming that um, hasn't gotten as far as this one. So I'll have to do it again with another group. But uh, yeah, it's it's common. You know, really, that predators get away with stuff. For 50 years, he's yeah. gotten away with it, and then he died. You know, 
Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, you know. Well, that's what I tell come. people. There's, you know, they call it the justice system, but um, as far as I've seen, there really isn't a whole lot of justice, you know. Even uh, my biological father, who got accused of everything I said and uh, was um, into whole horrible torture of all kinds of people, um, and was court ordered to therapy, you know, and how is that justice, you know? Um, destroying a child's life, how is that justice, no matter, even if you put them in jail? To me, it's not a system of justice. You can't equal anything of it always. Even if they do go to jail, it's, it's not, you know, like my kids would say, Mom, that's not fair. And I said, life isn't fair, but you can be, you know, that's how I would react. <laughs> You know, we might not be getting fair treatment, but we could be fair. Right. Yeah. Well, I try to pe- treat people fairly, but I'm sure there's been up, there's been times in my life when whatever my actions were were disappointing to the to the other person. You know. Anyway, that's really the level that it's at now. I don't I don't take it personally. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I've heard so many stories. I don't take it personally. You know how many predators there are out there? Well, every one of us has at least one predator. <laughs> and there are, you know, tens of thousands of us, well, hundreds of thousands of us in the U.S., meaning uh, adults who survive child abuse, and um, every one of us has a predator. <laughs> so it's common that they get away with it. And, you, you know, you, you can fight for it, but you can't. I mean, you do yourself a disservice if you insist that something's going to happen a certain way and it doesn't happen. You know, right. that's, a, that's a total waste of energy and so forth. Yeah, you're setting yourself but up. But a lot of people do that. Yeah, you mess yourself yeah. up. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Set yourself up for disappointment. Yeah. But Christina and her friend that just walked in. Hi, guys. Hi. There they are. <laughs> <laughs> I warned the audience that you were going to come in at some point. <laughs> hi, Christina. Thought... Victoria. Hi. Victoria says, hi, Christina. Tammy says hi to you. Okay. Well, I, the only thing that didn't happen just then is the dog didn't bark. <laughs> I expected yeah, him to. Yeah, I was shocked. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty shocking. That's, that's amazing. But they're both uh, nice ladies. They don't really freak him out. He would only bark if he mistook them for the mailman or, you know, somebody else that walked up the yard, up to the up to the yard. <laughs> So anyway, that's that's the story. Um, I can certainly give more detail if you want, um, but let's let's ask if there's anybody out there who wants to call in, uh, perhaps to express uh, part of their own story or their identifying, like Victoria did, or ask questions. You know, but this is a really this is a valid topic for every one of us every night. You know, how do we resolve? How do we feel that our uh, justice has been melted out and resolved what happened to us? And, and, of course, when I say resolved, it's never perfectly resolved, but at least some degree, you know. Yeah. I mean, well, I tell you what, if it, wasn't, if it wasn't for the therapy that I had, um, yep. emotional therapy, I would be in constant turmoil like I was. I never, right. I only never want a retaliation, you know, and... A lot of people, you know, that don't, haven't been abused or whatever hear my story, they're like, well, I'd have killed them or I'd have done this or I'd done that, I'd have tortured them or whatever. But, you know, um, I don't know. I just, even my brother, he found out and said that he wanted to kill him, and this was years after the fact. And I said, 
What good would that do? He'd be dead. You'd be in jail. And it wouldn't change the fact of what happened to me. And I'd still be, you know, I'd still be suffering, but suffering more because you're in jail, you know. And uh, um, sometimes people don't think all that through. No, they don't. In, you know, in the moment of, um, yeah, I mean, I understand trying to escape something, but I never, I never felt like hurting him or doing anything to him. Um, matter of fact, I was going to um, drug my daughter and drug myself to get away and, you know, take it out of, you know, take us out of the picture instead of taking him out of the picture. Uh-huh. And, you know, so it's like, um, you know, how do we respond and stuff to, to um, not only to our own stories, but when other people hear your stories, even if they're survivors too, they, um, and I always tell people, it's okay to ask questions of me, you know. I think some people are afraid to ask some questions because uh, they don't want, I don't know. I just tell them, ask me anything you want. You might not like the answer, but <laughs> go ahead and ask. <laughs> well, I I have been willing to ask questions or make comments about myself and all all the time I've been in recovery. Uh, yeah. And, and, you know, sometimes it was just small comments, but it brought out some issue, and then maybe somebody identified with it, and after the group, they'd come over and say, oh, I, you know, that happened to me too, or blah, blah, blah. <laughs> and yeah. that really helped. Because I always thought, right. I always thought and this is very common too. But I was the only mm-hmm. one kind of yeah. felt this way, yes. or that this happened yeah. to. Very common. So when well, you that's why I really want to start speaking out and telling my story is because I had people coming up to me and say, "Nobody's talking about this." You know, I'm so glad yeah. that you said that, or I'm so glad that you're yeah. talking about it. You know, they knew they're not the only one because of all the social media and everything now about child abuse and incest and sexual abuse and race and um, emotional abuse and all that other stuff, but they don't exactly connect with somebody that has been through it, you know. And and I guess that's a big thing with what, me wanting to join NASCA in the beginning was I wanted to talk to somebody, have a name or have an organization or something that connected me with other survivors that were talking about it, that I could right. connect with and not just know I wasn't alone, like watching something on TV or social media, reading about it, whatever, but an actual person. And I guess that brings me back to Bill when you said, you know, we've got like 30 people that have their phone numbers on the website. It's just NASCA.org on the website um, that will connect with you. And uh, we're, we wouldn't put our number on there if we didn't want people to call us to just let you know um, it's not an inconvenience because I know when I, first got numbers from people when I was in the AA program, I think, well, I don't want to call them because I'll be bothering them. This isn't really that big of a deal, you know. But I'd rather have people call me just to chat rather than in total crisis where maybe I can't even help them, you know what I mean? Right. That's yeah. I call those practice calls. <laughs> but, you know, right. I, I sponsor a bunch of, or I used to sponsor a bunch of boys, I mean, many, many, many. And I would say, you know, if you're afraid to call your sponsor, then just make a practice call. Anybody? <laughs> yeah. Okay. I'm just I'm just supposed to make the practice call. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Right. Get used to it. <laughs> uh-huh. yeah. Uh, yeah. Because you're and, and everybody you're deserves here. that. Everybody deserves to know that you're worthwhile enough that um to pick up that phone. You know, um I used to say how heavy the phone was. You know, and uh, 
and it wasn't that the phone was that heavy. It was that it felt that heavy. It felt like it was such a hard trip to get over the phone to call somebody because it was the fear. Right. You know, and when I felt fear a lot of the time, I, it, I did the, the fright, fright, flip and freeze. Well, I did the freeze. And uh, so I could freeze just thinking about calling somebody and not in even a crisis, just calling somebody thinking that I was going to bother them or I didn't deserve it. There's just a whole bunch of things behind it. And uh, I want people to know that, that you deserve it and we want you to call us. That's why our number is. So that's why I called them practice calls because I knew that newcomers are not prone to call. They're not happy to get a number. And you end up with, you know, a pocket full of little slips of paper with people's number on it, and you don't know where they belong anymore. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Where did yeah. I get this? Who is this again? You don't, you don't know. But the point yeah. is, it doesn't really matter. To be honest, right. if, if somebody gives you their phone number, they do so because they want you to call. So you yeah. make practice calls when there's not a crisis. And you say, you know, I just, um, just calling you to, to get to know you a little and get you, you to know me, and that's it. You know, you could take yeah. like two minutes to do this, but when you hang mm-hmm. up, you go, wow, I made a phone call to somebody I didn't even know. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> it's, it's, it's a success. <laughs> and Bill screens everybody on that list to make sure they're all friendly. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, we all... Um, I'm on there. I'm the Minnesota ambassador, Victoria Kelly. And uh, like I said, uh, and there's just, there's um, so many ways that you can reach out. And one of the ways um, that we'd like to invite people is um, survivors is uh, to come on the show and tell your story. We have Monday, Wednesday, Friday nights where we have survivors that come on and tell their stories. And uh, we break it down and people ask questions or, you know, and, uh, if you don't feel comfortable and even using your name, you can use a different name. And uh, we just really uh, like to invite um, people to come on the show. Absolutely. If you're not um, comfortable talking, that's okay. One of the uh, panelists tonight uh, told us that uh, she didn't want to talk. She's just going to listen. So that's what it says next to her name. We won't call on her. But she could... Uh, she could say something if, well, she could push the number one and a little symbol would come up. <laughs> you may not know that. But you could push the number one, you get a little symbol. And when you push it a second time, the little symbol goes away. That's that's what number one does. We have Philip and Vinny as well. And, you know, if they can call, so can you. <laughs> so, um, that's right. Yeah. Well, we have to open their mic if they want to talk. Let's see if they want to talk. Should I do that? I want to, yes. Yeah. I want people to feel, like I say, you can feel comfortable talking and not have anything specific to say. You know, just join the group, say hi, you know, and like that. Right now, it, that it's, a, it's a practice, right, Bill? We're practicing. Practice, practice <laughs> yeah. yeah. I have a question. Okay. What did you do when you felt like you were stuck in uh, times of your recovery? Well, um, that happened a lot, especially early on. Uh, and I had used a, a, a pattern of, of questions, or not a question, 
they call it the steps, right? And right. But each each step was was fearful to just complete. Uh, you start with step one and you end up with step twelve, but you can't do it fast. It, it won't be worth anything even if you try. But you know the best thing is to do them in order, and they are actually placed in order. So that you learn, I think you have an experience or you learn something in this this point that allows you to go on to the next one. But that doesn't mean you go on without fear. You, it, there's fear all the way through this uh, that we experience. It's all brand new stuff. And we'd rather not go through brand new stuff. We're, we're kind of comfortable right. in our lethargy. You know? um, so, yeah, there's a lot of, um, a lot of that. But i tell you the truth is that most of it is is in my head, manufactured. <laughs> uh, right. Because nobody nobody ever said, you know, to stop talking in the middle of my talking. Nobody ever said that, you know, never in all these years. <laughs> um, but it was in my head a lot, you know, to, to fear. Uh, mm-hmm. The fear is like being judged, you know, saying the wrong thing. <laughs> but you can't say the wrong thing, but, <laughs> you know. Uh, you know, being found out like that. What about when you What about when you've done the steps and um, you know you've been going to the program for a while and you feel stuck? I've been there. I don't really feel that way. I, I um, the first time through the process of getting sober, which is what I did as, as well, uh, was was terrifying. <laughs> but once I'd done it, I'd done it, and. Um, I didn't feel afraid anymore, so it was pretty easy for me to um, bring up the next, the same topic the next time because that's what that's what Victoria's talking about. You don't do it, you don't do a step and then forget it. You're done. You're done forever and ever. No, no, you incorporate it in your life. And right. I think the first time through, it's a brand new, fresh experience. But after that, you you start to rely on your own experience. You know, not just book learning, as I say. <laughs> but experiential learning, and it's, it's you know I did not I did not fear um, stuff beyond the first uh, couple of years I was in the program, and I I um I did challenge myself a lot, you know some of the things mm-hmm. that I did were stretches on 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 what I'd been told by somebody else or heard in a room or something like that, and I wasn't sure how it was going to work out, but I did it anyway, and mm-hmm. the point is that. Nothing ever, nothing ever made me get you know so crazy that I drank again. Never, you know, or I yeah. used or I ne- and I never lost my brain, my mind over the issues of child abuse. Nothing. Yeah. So, I, I I'd say don't be surprised if you know the first time through there's fear, but there, you know everybody else is there to hold your hand. Really, mm-hmm. <laughs> we've all done it. Mm-hmm. And after you've done it the first time, it's no longer something to fear. It's just, you know, Well, there. for me, I just want to let everybody know, um, I've quit smoking now for 15 days. And I have 37 years of recovery, but I feel like every time I'm tackling a new whatever it is that that's hard, seems hard, I mean, you know, like you said, you used it for child abuse as well. Um, yep. Whatever I'm tackling... Um, the 10 steps does continue, you know, um, not 10. Um, anyway, the 12 step practice these principles in all your affairs, you know. And so for me, it's, it's a daily thing of practicing the steps. 
um, on whatever issues are coming up. It doesn't just have to be, you know, um, having not, you know, the desire to not drink, but there's all kinds of issues that we face and struggles that, that we can use the same template of the 12 steps. Absolutely. So for me, it's uh, smoking. That's great, though. Congratulations. Uh, I know how that is because I did it too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, and I, I still today, you know, have um, a little bit of a desire every now and then, a craving, let's say. Yeah. But I'm not willing to give up the mm-hmm. amount of time that, uh, that mm-hmm. I've got already. I do want to tell a little story that, that um, about, about uh, the steps, the first time through the steps. In fact, the first time through uh, in the, pro- the early part of the program, uh, I found out, and I didn't know this, that some of these programs, these 12-step programs, like Gamblers Anonymous and Al-Anon and so forth, and Alcoholics Anonymous, they have conventions, which are which are meetings of people from all over a certain area uh, where they, they get together and they have all kinds of activities. Among them, uh, you know, old-timers and, and middle-timers and new t- newcomers <laughs> intermingle. So I, I had this experience a couple of times. The first time I had it, though, I was afraid. I didn't I didn't know there were uh, uh, conventions, so I hadn't uh, signed up for anything because uh, I didn't know they existed. And I, I went last minute, and I had a van. So I went last minute, and I parked the van in the, in the parking lot. <laughs> and I stayed in the van and, uh, for the next three nights. Uh, and I had a wonderful time, by the way. But nobody said you can't do this. They all said it's okay. You know, they all said um, that was. The, I was afraid they were going to kick me out. In other words, same as with AA or other groups. I felt I was yeah. going to get kicked out. Nobody ever kicked me out. It's amazing. Uh, I did, however, do one dishonest thing that I thought I had to do in order to be acknowledged and valued. Uh, people may not know this, but we get what are called chips. And a chip is usually a, a red, or a, a red, green, blue, whatever, plastic, um, plastic circle of, you know, like a coin-sized circle, or big coins, like a, like a silver dollar size, with a um, little chain on it. It's a keychain. So the colors tell you how long somebody's passed through recovery until a year, and after a year, the chips start having the number one, two, three, whatever, how many years. But I was at this place where, where I was. I wanted to be an old timer, so I uh, took a dishonest 90-day chip with me. <laughs> I wanted to be, I wanted to be acceptable to people. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I was, I was like two days short of it, but I wanted to be it, be there. You know. <laughs> yeah. Yep. That's that's the way your mind works. Not like somebody yeah. was going to throw me out. They didn't, but. And now I confess to it. I I cop to it because it's kind of a um, an expression of you know an example of where I came from, uh, mm-hmm. how easy it was for me to tell a fib if it, if mm-hmm. it felt like by telling it I'd I'd seen I'd have more self-esteem by the other person. <laughs> yeah. Anyway. Well, and then the yeah. other part too, if you do something like that, and then the other part of it is it takes a big step to be able to tell too you know, somebody else. By the way, yeah. you know, I really didn't have that much time. That that never was easier for me. 
if I right. said something or did something or made something up just because I wanted to fit in, to actually That's go it. back and say, go back and say, yeah, um, that really, that not really wasn't, but that wasn't the truth, you know. Right. And uh, to to fast up is not always easy. So when people come back and say that they drank, or depending on what program you're in, um, it's really big. It's huge. But I wanted to ask you now, you are talking about alcohol, but can you talk a little bit about uh, child abuse and how you use the steps with starting out to deal with that? Okay, so what I did was, you know, I did not know what AA was when I first encountered it, um, and I didn't know what to expect. Uh, I started going to meetings, and after some meetings, I actually heard the steps being read. They They read them at almost every meeting. You don't hear them until you're ready to hear them. (laughs) It took me me several months to hear the steps being read. (laughs) And then Mm -hmm. when they were read, and I knew knew there was a book, but I didn't know what the steps were. And I looked them up. I found them in the book. And uh, in the first part of the book, before the steps are are written out, which is in the fourth step, in steps one, two, and three, the author writes um, about some generic experiences that he had uh, turning his will and his life over to the care of God as he understood him, uh, finding a higher power, and so forth. And so I, um, in, in the process of reading this, they said, it's not, it's not miraculous that this happened. It works for anything. You can, in other words, I heard that you could apply the steps to any problem that you had, and it would be beneficial. And th- the proof of that is along came you know, Cocaine Anonymous, Gamblers Anonymous, Al-Anon, you know, uh, there's, there's, a, there's a Narcotics Anonymous, of course. There's a Nicotine Anonymous, believe it or not. There's a Sexaholic Anonymous. They all have the same steps, but they apply the, the steps to, like, for example, Sexaholism. You know, I, they admitted they were wrong, and they promptly admitted it because they knew that mm-hmm. the, the Sexaholism, the they could get sucked right back into the practices that they had before. So I decided, well, if that's true, if you can apply it to anything, the big problem I have is child abuse. So I started to, and I simply, you know, imagined the steps and eventually wrote them down to eliminate the word alcohol or alcoholism, but substitute the name uh, uh, child abuse or trauma, trauma from child abuse. There's a couple of phrases that would fit there. So, you know, um, so could you explain, uh, say, the first step and, and how you would put child abuse in there and how that would work out? Okay, the first step is... Uh, uh, Admit we were powerless over. Over alcohol, right? But it's not over alcohol. Admit we were powerless over uh, child abuse and mm-hmm. our lives have become unmanageable. Mm-hmm. You know, admitted to God, ourselves, another human being, no, that was not the thing to believe in a power greater than ourselves that could restore society. There's no need to change that one. Some of them have, are, are... Well, the e- second e- one was e- really hard for me because, as I say in Al-Anon, um, restore yeah. us to sanity. How do you get restored to something you never had? Yeah. <laughs> 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 and I've got a lot of people nodding their heads when I say that. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's Bill, Bill Wilson. He's something else. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's the, that's I mean, the if you've grown up in abuse and stuff, um, but, like, for me, the first step, um, 
admit it, I was powerless to over child abuse and the trauma that came out of it. You know, and my life yep. was unmanageable. And for me, right. the second part is really important. How was oh, yeah. your life unmanageable? What's the unmanageability about? And yeah. to really look into that is what was really important for me on the first step for child abuse. Well, I, I identified with being like insane with the thoughts of the child abuse I'd been through at, at early on. But then later mm-hmm. I was able to, I was able to explain what that insanity felt like to me. And it's, it's odd things. You know, there, there are things like um, physical abuse, physical um, things that happen to your body or your mind. Um, there are ways that you treat other people based on, you know, your own experience in having trauma. Uh, there's a lot of them. I got asked this by the attorney, by the way, <laughs> and I, I, I kind of got um, that. No, no. Are they, are they, what do they call that? Any what do they call it? Blackballed. <laughs> huh? Blackballed. I don't know. Blackballed. Can't hear them. They're talking. I got um, You know, I have a problem. I'm having it right now, actually, in remembering what what vocabulary I should use when I'm trying to explain something. I know what I'm trying to explain, but I can't find the the word or the couple of words. Uh, The experience of of trauma, though, manifests, let's put it that way, in a lot of different things. Uh, Activities that you do, actions that you take, uh, mental uh, ways of processing thoughts. Uh, sometimes how you treat other people, uh, physical ailments that happen in your body uh, that can happen, you know, years later. I didn't know it then, but um, these are all things that you don't know at the beginning, but you find out later. There's a book about this, by the way. Let me just say as an aside. Uh, the Body Knows the Score. Is that right? Is that the name? Yeah, The Body right. Keeps the Score. Right. It's a book um, that's recommended by an awful lot of people, and it talks about the relationship uh, of your trauma and what could happen within your body, which is keeping score, which is, you know, it's it's, it's tracking your child abuse, really. And yeah. you'll have all kinds of things. You'll have, uh, you know, I, I have, for example, gastro uh, gastronomic problems, gastronomic problems. Uh, yeah. Some people have... Some people have um, migraines. Well, fibromyalgia is a common one. Right? That's another one. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, uh, different kind of cramps and so forth. But anyway, there's lots, of, there's lots of things that we don't know exactly, but we know we have them. So they could be related to our experiences and the trauma from it. Mm-hmm. And well, every just, single year I was ending up in the psychiatric ward on Thanksgiving or right before Thanksgiving. And right. I couldn't. I couldn't figure out why. I couldn't figure out why. And the one time I was in the psych ward, I started having these memories of this, this Thanksgiving um, where my biological father sexually abused me and my mother came into where he was abusing me and uh, and he told her to get the up out of here and she did and she didn't protect me, you know. But I had blocked that memory. But when it hit me when I was in the psychiatric ward one time on uh, during Thanksgiving, um I tell you what, it broke open a lot of stuff, and I was able to deal with it. Um, but the last two weeks, I've been having severe diarrhea, and I think it's because Thanksgiving is coming up. So I was just talking to my therapist today about 
you know, the need that I have right now is to really take care of myself um, and do some self-care stuff this next month because I'm already starting to feel really sick and dehydrated and out of it. You know, when you have diarrhea, you get dehydrated very easily. And oh, yeah. uh, I ended up in the hospital over dehydration. And they told me the reason why you feel so sick is because you're dehydrated. And I thought, oh, give me a break. So I came home and I Googled dehydration and I cannot believe how sick you can get to being dehydrated. That's right. I mean, you can't think straight. You, you're dizzy. You're, you know, it's not just, um, you know, that, that you need to drink water when you're having the diarrhea as well. It's depleting all that. You know, and there's just so many other things that, that um, like my therapist said, to try to structure in to the, you know, and I think we all should be doing it all the time, but um, especially when you know you're going to be going through a hard time or it's a hard, you know, like Thanksgiving and Christmas are coming up and a lot of people are going to, you know, have some hard times. So start thinking about it ahead of time because that's kind of what I'm doing right now is figuring out some stuff that I can do. Um, to keep myself in the best health that I can have through the holidays. Right. right. Well, when you talk about insanity, which is what we began this this little section of the show with, mm-hmm. um, it, you can imagine, for example, uh, you know, nightmares. Right? That's insanity. Why would you think of something like that? You know, and it would take you so far away from trying to trying to be calm, you know, and get uh, some rest. And instead, you get nightmares, and you're tossing and turning, and you can't fall asleep, and you know there's all kinds of uh, symptoms that. Uh, yeah. and, and it's the same is true with you know, even just falling asleep. You can't you can't stop your brain from racing ahead. Uh, it's yeah. it's amazing the strength of the trauma that we experience, but I think all of that's related. That's what I mm-hmm. think anyway. Yeah. Uh, and but the time that the well, uh, I still I still sleep in my clothes because. I don't know. I just have always felt like I had to sleep in my clothes so I could just get up and race away if I had to. And really? so I, I sleep fully clothed. Oh, <laughs> huh. okay. Yeah. Sometimes I even take off my shoes. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Annie, do you sleep with your clothes on? <laughs> I do. I sleep with my day clothes. Especially if I'm, if I'm really, really tired, I go yeah. to bed really early, like 8 o'clock. <clears throat> yeah. And I will fall asleep with my day clothes on and sleep <laughs> in them. Yeah. I sleep in my day clothes all the time. It's, it's very, very rarely that I will that I will actually change in pajamas. I, just, I have pajamas. It's not I don't have them. It's just I don't wear them. It's amazing. And well, it's because I, you know, um, a part of it is afraid of uh, fires that'll have to run out, and the other is I live in Minnesota, you know. So if you gotta like get up and run away from fire, you could be out in the middle of the winter with no clothes yeah. on. Mm-hmm. But yeah. it goes back to my childhood, and it goes back to feeling like I gotta be prepared that if I gotta run away from an abuser, that I want to yeah. be able to, you know. Um, run out and have clothes on. Okay, so that's that's another thing that happens to all of us, really. Our patterns of behavior change. You know, we're talking about wearing underwear or or, or, uh, 
what do you call it, pajamas or not at night. Uh, and and it's, it's some of us, you know, apparently wear our clothes to bed, like you guys. Yeah. I don't, but you guys do. Yeah. That, that's probably uh-huh. has something to do with, well, it has something to do with your being uncomfortable when you go to bed, you know, and that mm-hmm. stretches from your youth, really. It goes all the way back. Yeah. Uh, I would not be surprised if you could trace it to, some of the childhood experiences we're talking about, maybe not being, mm-hmm. maybe being molested, you know, who, or, or sexually yeah. abused, mm-hmm. uh, like ready to jump out of the bed and run, you know? <laughs> uh, well, and also yeah. to go to sleep, having having the clothes on me to go to sleep and feeling like, you know, um, because when you're being sexually abused, some part of your clothing is usually being taken off, you know? Yeah, yeah, that's true. And, true. and that's a big part of it. That's true. Well, I don't know. I I'm much more comfortable with um, de-clothing, de-robing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, I don't have a problem with that at all. But I'm I'm not mm-hmm. shocked that, that it's affected the two of you that way at all. You know. Yeah. Probably probably pretty common. Mhm. So, um, but the point is, the lawyer from the other side was asking me to explain um, that you know what kinds of things I I thought were uh, trauma expressions that came to me because I'd been abused, and I couldn't think of it. It was amazing. I've been doing this for 40 years, and I couldn't mm-hmm. think of the answer, what answer I might give. <laughs> I got stuck, but um, I, I, I found a way to come back to it later in the interview but, or in the uh-huh. deposition. <laughs> right. When he asked me, it was but even, even though you've been talking about it, yeah, it's, uh, yeah. it's amazing how some stuff can just get you stuck. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, that's a, I think that the fact that I get stuck is one of the uh, results of child abuse. I, my brain really, I have some brain damage. I really think I do. Oh, uh, sure. And, and, and in my case, it presents with um, not being able to explain a thought that's in my head. I know what it's supposed to be, how, what it means and so forth, but I can't find the words to explain it. It happens a lot mm-hmm. to me. Yeah, um, too too often to be too often to be mm-hmm. coincidence. <laughs> right, right. But, um, and and for me, you know, people think sometimes when that happens, it's a sign of old age. But for me, it's not. It's that happened to me many times in my life, you know, and sometimes uh-huh. worse. And a lot of it was that I was dealing with trauma. Right. I mean, I was, you know, ten, fifteen years ago, um, I couldn't think of the right words put in sentences at all or I say different words that have nothing to do with the sentence and it was when I was really going through some heavy duty therapy I look back on it now and I could see that but at the time I didn't know what was going on yes well there's another thing that I did uh, deposition wise that I didn't say I didn't tell you guys yet and that is that I prayed before it Uh, that's part of my uh, process of healing is is it's a spiritual uh, experience that I had and have, and mm-hmm. I keep it alive by by saying some prayer, and um, I did that during the I mean you know I was in New York City but not to the deposition I said it before, prior to the deposition in other words said some right. prayer because it's, I wanted to you know I wanted to appeal to God to help me and. <laughs> You know, uh, help me say the right thing, and I don't know what the right thing is, but you do, and blah blah blah, <laughs> and that yeah. helped calm me down. I was very comfortable 
most of the time with the deposition. Right. And it's, it was brand new experience to me. And it could have been right. terrifying. Especially yeah. because they make you um they make you swear to the truth and blah blah blah. <laughs> Not that I was gonna yeah. say a lie, but <laughs> but yeah. you know, I I wanted to be honest and they, and they, right. they make you swear to be honest. You know, so okay. <laughs> uh, yeah. The yeah, helps me a lot whenever I'm gonna um if I'm gonna speak or whatever I'm gonna do yeah. that I feel is very important too. You know, I'll pray before and ask for guidance and like when I go to meetings I always ask God for guidance yeah. and that'll say at least one thing that'll help somebody else, you know, in yeah. the meeting. Um okay. and and that's kinda how I go into all the meetings, you know. Not only yeah. and then I pray for myself because I say help me to you know, hear one thing that'll help me during the week or until my next meeting. And that, that really yeah. helps too because it helps me keep an open mind. Well, um, let's see. I just had a thought, and now I can't bring it back. See, that's what happens. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. And how long did you say that deposition was? How what? How long were you there at the... Oh, it was, uh, it was hours. It was hours. Uh, wow. I, I mean, and then we had lunch in the middle, which was a deli sandwich, which we ordered from downstairs, because we were afraid... The guy that was, was asking questions was, and they're allowed to do whatever they want. He was being pretty uh, precise and detailed. Mm. And, and we knew there was another lawyer behind him that was going to ask questions to it. So oh. um, I was worried that I was going to stay another night, but it didn't work out that way. Uh -huh. um, and they, they got what they needed, the two of them. Um, but it was, it took hours, you know. And then we missed the first plane. Uh, my reservation to come back to Los Angeles was from Newark Airport, and it was a nonstop plane, a United plane, but I had to get to the airport by a certain time to get on the plane, and we weren't going to make it. So oh. um, the assistant to my attorneys changed my booking from, from the flight I was on to the next flight, and fortunately there was a seat on the next flight. I was in the middle <laughs> between people, but mm -hmm. um, I got to come back that night, so that, mm -hmm. was, that was good. Yeah. Um, and they took really good care of me. My attorneys did. They, you know, they got me a nice hotel room, and they got me, you know, all the rides were in the limo, limo style, you know, mm -hmm. big uh, Uber cars, the big ones. Yeah. Um, and yeah, it uh, yeah. was very yeah. as comfortable as they could make it. The hotel room was beautiful. You know, uh, they yeah. they bought me they bought me a bottle of uh, apple juice and a bottle of uh, orange juice. Because I told them my mouth gets dry when I talk, because I'm a, I'm a diabetic, so that's what that's one of the things that happened. So they went right away and got the juice. <laughs> so I had that at my and, and a bottle of water. I drank them all, by the way, all through the. <laughs> now, how long have you been talking to these attorneys? Because I know you said that you that was the first time you met them, but you've been talking to them, right? I talked to them on uh, the night I arrived. They reserved. A little room that was um, like a little boardroom uh, mm -hmm. that uh, that we could meet in. This is the first time I met them in person. And there were two of them, a, a, a man and a woman. The woman mm -hmm. was a little younger, but she's actually the contact that I um, have had been making, and she knew my story quite well. The man mm -hmm. was um, a little older than her, um, a little younger than me, little. Uh, mm -hmm. 
And uh, he was actually the one that became my coach. I guess he does that for the firm when they have somebody like me that's a, a novice. But he he coached me. And one of the things I was I wanted to get into this box tonight that I that I learned about myself, he taught me, which is to slow down. <laughs> you know? I, I have a very I have a pretty quick mind, and I can tell about halfway through the, the question somebody or the statement somebody's making that there's going to be this particular question at the end of it. And so I offer the quest, the answer before the guy's finished saying it. Well, that screws up the deposition because the poor lady that was taking the transcript, putting the transcript together, it has to be accurate, obviously. See, how do you type the, the answer of one person over the, the question still being asked of the other? You can't. <laughs> so yeah. really, you have to let the other person stop you know, finish their question and then take a breath and then take and then give your answer. I was no good at that. And there were yeah. numerous times when they had to stop and remind me, you know, they even did it with hand signals that you're overlapping. <laughs> and that was one of the biggest things that happened. I was not I was I was surprised that I didn't know I did that, but apparently I do. So it's not it like a game show where they can ask a half question, you can give the answer and win the game. <laughs> That's right. Right. Yeah. But the fellow that um, coached me, who was my attorney, I had not really had a lot of interaction with him, even on the phone. Um, but he was very, he was uh, very good, very comfortable for me. And uh, the other thing he did was, um, he would acknowledge that there was a piece of the question that he was uncomfortable with that, uh, forget what he said, it's like, a, it's like an objection, but um, you don't really, you're not really objecting and you're getting an answer, but you're putting it mm -hmm. on the record that there was something about the way that question was answered that you might want to go back to during a trial. In other words, it's preserving oh. the right to, to object later. Well, he did mm -hmm. that a bunch of times, too. <laughs> Well, Bill, we've got um, Judy, raise your hand. I'm going to um, put her Great. speaker on right here. Um, sure. There we go. Hello, Judy. Did you want to make a comment or ask questions? I do. Just a couple of things. Um, I just want to sure. thank all of you again. For, um, Bill, you mentioned that a lot of our stories are similar, and yes, they are. At least I can relate to a lot. And um, I just wanted to say thank you, but I think what you guys telling your stories and all that you do is just really inspirational and wonderful. And the last thing I just want to say and then I'll hang up is, um, yeah, I have like autoimmune diseases and uh, yep. two or three of them. And um, right. I'm always, I can never, my mind will never, my brain never stops. And I can, if someone says something to me, it doesn't go in and out of my brain. It just stays there. And one more thing, I'm always, I'm still always in fight, flight, or freeze, and it all happened when I was a little girl. But I'm still, I'm lately I've just realized it. The last couple of years I can't, I can't settle down. I just constantly on, you know, um, alert. And and that's all I'm going to say. And I'll let you guys talk. And again, thank you. Is that normal? Well, thank you, Judy. Yeah, we're delighted. Go ahead, Annie. 
No, I was just thanking Judy, that's all. Well, I want to thank her, too, and I want to explain to Judy, she probably knows this anyway, but just for the listener, that, you know, I'm talking tonight, but tomorrow it'll be somebody else and so forth and so forth because, you know, we each dedicate ourselves to, like, a scheduled evening, and then there are shows when we can, we can talk, all of us can talk, and that's actually what tonight is. Anybody can make a comment at any time, and uh, since I'm the this, this special guest on, on this night, um, I'll, they're sort of addressed to me. They're addressed to me in my experience, but another night they'll be expressed to somebody else in their experience. Uh, so what makes us special is perhaps the um, to be able to relate to the precise experience, but they're all, as Judy says, as you, you're absolutely right, Judy, they, these are so similar. Almost to be, oh, some of them are, are the same. In fact, if you keep listening to these shows, your, your whole story will eventually be told. It won't take that long. Your whole story. You'll hear it in pieces, perhaps, and maybe some night you'll hear your story coming out of the mouth of one single person, but all the pieces will come together. Um, I don't think there's any part of my story that's different now than um, you know than I've heard with other, pe- other people say it. So. Yeah, I wanted to thank Judy for um, sharing because... Uh, you know, even if we just tell a little piece of our story, it's the beginning of yep. uh, opening up, and and we're really honored that uh, that you are, you know, anybody that comes on and and uh, you know shares some of their story, makes comments and things. Um, we really appreciate it. We're really glad that people come on the panel, and that we have can have these kind of discussions. This is what we're uh, really needing, I think. Share information with each other. Well, I'm delighted. You know, really, it's nice to meet you, Judy, and I hope you keep coming back. You were, I think you were with us another night. Maybe it was last. But yeah, I know Judy's been um, several shows that I've been on, and, and oh, the okay. shows that we have open conversations. Um, we've had real good conversations. Oh yeah. Well, I'm sure you have a lot to offer, Judy, and keep coming back, because you know it's really in what you give away that you learn things. <laughs> You're helping somebody else, but you're really helping yourself too, you know. So, and and actually, telling your story is giving something away, isn't it? It's really oh, giving away some of the parts of you that you've kept so private, you know. And thinking, being fearful that, you know, if you said them, somebody would ask you to leave. Well, we're not going to ask mm-hmm. you to leave. We're going to say, you belong here. Sit down. <laughs> yeah. Well, for me, when I first told my story, which I don't know how many years ago it was. But when I first told my story, I couldn't believe um, the amount of shame that just kind of fell off me. There you go. You know, because nobody went, oh, my God, you know, or, you know, nobody asked me, you know, nobody blamed and shamed me that, you know, and because I didn't hear that, I lost a lot of the shame. That's right. And uh, that was just, to me, amazing. And that, you know, I would like to offer that idea to people that are thinking of telling their story. And uh, as Bella says, we're very gentle with you if you come on and tell your story. And, you know, you get to tell it how you want it. We usually have you start out with, you know, the beginning, middle, and end, the, you know, how you're doing now or the recovery process, things like that. And what happened to you, of course, to start with. And uh, um, really, we help guide you through it. So if anybody wants yeah. to, you know, be a part of our show, we would love to invite you to 
go on the website, and we've got all the open dates that we have available for people to come on the show. So whatever fits in your schedule. Right. Well, we have only um, a few minutes left. I think six minutes or something at the uh-huh. or less, the end of the show. So I want to ask Annie if I can if I can uh, inquire of the people that are that have been more quiet than not, which would be Vinny and Judy and did Phil Philip leave? Yeah, Philip. If if there's anything that they want to know or they want to com- they want to comment on anything, because uh, the show will be over shortly. Vinny or Judy, either one. I'm okay. I'm good. You are good. <laughs> and I'm, I'm good too. I'm just gonna I'm taking it all in. Thank you so much to all of you. Judy, we're, we're delighted that you came, and we're really happy that you spoke. It didn't kill you, <laughs> and you didn't scare yeah. us away. <laughs> well, Danny, I'll you. turn it back to you to finish this show however you'd like. Okay, Bill. Hi, everybody. It's Annie again. And I just want to say that, <clears throat> excuse me, Stop Child Abuse Now is on five nights a week at 8 p.m., um, Eastern Time, 5 p.m. Pacific Time, and on Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays, we invite people to come and tell their stories. And on Tuesdays and Thursdays, we have a, a professional a survivor professional, and who comes and answers your questions. Um, Anybody's always welcome to call in and be a part of our panel. That's awesome. The phone number is 646-595-2118. And I want to thank Victoria for being our um, trailer. That's what they call, that's what they call us when yep. we're answering the phones. <laughs> thank you, Victoria. And well, I don't have anything I don't have anything to say to fill the last three minutes. So if anybody wants to say something. Well, I like how Bill ends a lot of the shows and that's uh um God bless all the children in the world and God bless adult survivors of child abuse. It's always a good Yeah. That's that nice, thank say. you. You know, these things that um, become part of who we are, I, I didn't think of it as being, you know, kind of special, but it turns out to be. And, and I didn't really know that Victoria had made note of it, but apparently she did. Um, and it's true, though. You know, we, a lot of us have had spiritual experiences that have let us, you know, uh, deal with our trauma or, or whatever the problem is. Um, you know, and, and we um, we appreciate that it took, you know, my my recovery, I didn't do it. Okay. Of course, my higher power helps a lot, but so did the thousands of people that I've told my story to or that, that I've heard their story over time. Thousands. Um, NASCA itself has a giant Facebook group, you know, and all these shows, and we have an ambassador for almost every state. And we have all kinds of people who are engaged here and, uh, it's our privilege, really, to tell our story, and we get much more from you, from the other people around us, than we do from ourselves. So, yeah, mm-hmm. Annie is a is a terrific host, and we really appreciate it. And, and uh, Victoria, terrific host. 
Well, I want to read the NASA Serenity Prayer. When you grant me the serenity to stop beating myself up for not doing things perfectly, the courage to forgive myself because I always try my best, and the wisdom to know that I am a good person with a kind heart. <laughs> Amen. All right. Well, that's it. Uh, you can join us on a, on a Saturday, a Sunday, a, a Tuesday, or a Wednesday or a Thursday during the day. You'll see on the front page of the website how to do this with, through a Zoom meeting. And I'd like to get some more people to attend that. So that's Sunday, Tuesday, and Thursday during the daytime, not at night. Um, I, think it's, uh, I think it's a good thing. And, of course, it's the Zoom meeting, so you can, can, you can see people. You can see, they can see you. And here's some puppy Thank noises. Thank you, Bill. Thank you. <laughs> Take you out. <laughs> My dog's barking at tricky creatures over here. Oh. <laughs> I'm oh, going to go ahead and say good night and play the end, the end yeah. song. So good night, yeah. everybody. Good night, good night, Annie. Good night, everyone. Thank you. Good night, guys.